Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 27th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled against a workers' compensation orthopedic surgeon who sued Corvell Healthcare after he was thrown off their MPN panel. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Douglas J. Roger versus Corvell Healthcare Corporation. Corvell terminated the MPN contract of orthopedic surgeon Douglas J. Roger, M.D. for two reasons. First, he was unreachable by their UR physicians hired by the network to evaluate four non-standard treatments he was regularly prescribing for his workers' compensation patients. Second, he was prescribing those non-standard treatments on a wholesale basis and not taking the time to justify their application to particular patients. The Court of Appeal held that Corvell was well within its rights in terminating his contract. But the case becomes more complicated. Corvell did not comply with the contract process for the termination of its members. They were supposed to follow a graduated three-step disciplinary process with a warning letter followed by counseling sessions and only then actual termination. And these three steps did not happen. He was abruptly terminated after one lengthy telephone discussion with one independent reviewing physician about one patient. It became clear that Dr. Roger was not about to make himself readily accessible for peer review consultations or take the time and effort to justify his non-standard treatments on a patient-specific basis. Dr. Roger regularly prescribed four non-standard treatments for his workers' compensation clients. The first is known as a surface EMG. An EMG can be done by needle or it can be done by surface electrodes. Surface EMGs are controversial. Insurers, generally speaking, do not like them. The other non-standard treatments were two ointments and one medical food. The two ointments were capacian compound referred to by the parties as wasabi rub. The other, a compound of various ingredients called GABA-2 rub. The medical food was theramine tablets. None of these four treatments are recommended for use in the medical treatment utilization schedule adopted by California Division of Workers' Compensation. Yet, he prescribed them over 90 times, either individually or in some combination over the course of the year following his sign-up with Corvell. And in each of those cases, more than 90 cases, the proposed treatment was not certified for payment. He operated four offices and never returned any phone call unless he was at the office where the patient's file was kept. Even worse, and worse is the precise word the trial judge used for it, Dr. Roger resorted to the unethical practice of upcoding in order to be paid for the surface EMGs he prescribed. Dr. Roger's main theme, which is that a, a network like Corvell has no business telling fully qualified physicians under the guise of utilization review that they cannot prescribe what they think is best for their patients if it is otherwise perfectly legal. The Court of Appeal noted that Dr. Roger was perfectly willing to accept denial of a prescribed treatment and simply assert a workers' compensation lien later. The Court of Appeal affirmed the trial court judge judgment that Dr. Roger take nothing by his breach of contract action. 
They reasoned that termination of his contract was inevitable, even had Corvell followed the three-step process. And now our fraud report. 44-year-old Adrienne McGrath was arrested in San Jose after being charged with 14 felony charges related to violations of the insurance code in California. McGrath, a real estate agent, is facing three felonies for allegedly making a fraudulent statement for the purpose of reducing her workers' compensation premiums. She is also being accused of four felonies related to unemployment insurance and two felonies related to contributions to disability insurance. The state compensation insurance fund appears to be the victim in this case. And in regulatory news, Congress is again being asked to amend the Medicare Secondary Payment Act just six months after enacting reform legislation dealing with the same issues. The last time it took five years to pass congressional muster. Last December, Congress passed H.R. 1063, known as the SMART Act or the Strengthening Medicare and Repaying Taxpayer Act. The SMART Act was first introduced in Congress in the fall of 2010, but momentum for passage was not generated until last September. The proposed Medicare Secondary Payer and Workers' Compensation Settlement Agreements Act of 2013 has now been introduced this month in the House by Dave Reichard, a Republican in Washington State, and Mike Thompson, a California Democrat. The new legislation seeks to reform the processes and procedures used by CMS in its review of workers' compensation settlement agreements. The American Insurance Association and the Coalition for Medicare Secondary Payer Reform are in support of the proposed law. The bill seeks to resolve the serious delays and confusion in the review of workers' compensation Medicare set-asides by CMS. The DWC has proposed and posted modified interpreter services regulations and forms on its website and electronically distributed the 15-day notice to interested parties. The proposed modifications include a new section that explains how an interpreter may be certified or provisionally certified to interpret at hearings, depositions, or arbitrations. Also, a new section explains how an interpreter may be certified for medical treatment appointments or medical legal exams by passing the Certification Commission for Healthcare Interpreters exam. Members of the public may comment on the modifications to these regulations until 5 o'clock p.m. on June 5, 2013. The DWC is commencing a thorough review of the existing delays in processing represented injured workers' requests for QME panels. They say they are committed to addressing the root cause of the delays and are taking steps to ensure that it is addressed systematically. The delays were eliminated in the past through significant amounts of overtime work by DWC staff as well as the use of temporary student assistance. While those efforts were successful in the short term, they were not sustainable, leading to reoccurring problems in processing QME panel requests for represented injured worker cases. The DWC claims that all available resources are currently being directed towards reducing the timelines in these represented cases. They are also conducting a thorough review of the work processes and the applicable regulations and exploring long-term solutions and a technological infrastructure repair is underway. 
The DWC estimates a reduction in the rate of incoming panel requests after July 1st, when independent medical review becomes applicable to all dates of injury. The expectation is that the combination of redirecting resources, implementing new technology, and the expected IMR-related decreases in panel requests will result in the permanent elimination of processing delays. The Division of Workers' Compensation has posted the 2012 Ethics Advisory Committee's annual report on its website. The Ethics Advisory Committee is a state committee independent from the DWC. It is charged with reviewing and monitoring complaints of misconduct filed against workers' compensation administrative law judges. The nine-member committee is required to make a public report each year summarizing activities in the previous calendar year. The committee meets at regular intervals to review complaints of judicial misconduct and to make recommendations to the chief judge and the administrative director of the DWC. The committee's authority and duties are set forth in the California Code of Regulations, Section 9722 through 9723. The Workers' Comp Administrative Law Judges are not subject to review by the California Commission on Judicial Performance, which is the agency which is responsible for investigating misconduct complaints directed at judges serving on the Supreme, Superior, and Appellate Courts. The Work Comp Committee composition reflects the constituencies within the California workers' compensation community, such as members of the public representing organized labor, insurers, and self-insured employers. Also, on the committee are attorneys who formerly practiced before the WCAB and who usually represented both insurers or employers, and there's also one representing injured workers. Another member is a presiding judge, and also there's a judge or retired judge and two members of the public outside of the workers' compensation community. The committee meets four times each year at the DWC headquarters in Oakland. Committee meetings are open to the public, but the committee meets in executive session when it reviews and discusses actual complaints. In 2012, the DWC had authority over 168 active judges. The committee received 19 new complaints in 2012, and six resulted in investigations. The committee did not identify judicial misconduct in 15 complaints and did not recommend further action on any of the new complaints. Three complaints, however, presently remain pending and under investigation from complaints filed in 2012. The DWC is advising QME candidates that the required 12-hour report writing course has been revised to conform to Senate Bill 863. SB 863 eliminated the need for the QME to address medical treatment disputes. Medical treatment disputes will be addressed by the independent medical review process instead. SB 863 also now limits the number of QME office locations to 10. For injuries after January 1st, there will be limits for permanent disability add-ons involving sleep disorders, sexual dysfunction, and psychiatric problems. But the QME can still comment on an injured worker's need for treatment for any of those conditions. QMEs may now also be reviewers under the independent medical review process. The QME 12-hour report writing course may be offered only by providers certified by the DWC. 
the DWC will hold its next QME exam on October 19th. And in medical news, a bill approved this month by the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pension Committee would create a new category of regulation by the FDA for some drug compounding companies. The bill now heads to the full Senate. The proposed law would establish a new category of FDA oversight that would apply to the compounding industry that has grown rapidly over the past two decades from a small corner pharmacy into businesses that operate now like large-scale drug manufacturers. Many of these compounding pharmacies make a wide array of sterile medications, including antibiotics and painkillers, and ship them across state lines. Unlike traditional compounding pharmacies that custom-mix medications for individual patients based on a prescription, these compounders often ship drugs without any prescription. Unlike drugs made by major pharmaceutical manufacturers, these pharmaceutical products are not FDA-approved, and the companies do not face the same level of scrutiny from the FDA as do major traditional drug makers. Under the new Senate bill, companies that make sterile products without or in advance of a prescription and sell those products across state lines would be required to register with the FDA and be subject to regular inspections. Some consumer groups say the category is too narrowly defined. A compounder, for example, that sells in only one state would be exempt. In addition, anything in pill form wouldn't qualify under the new law, and many chemotherapy drugs are in pill form. The FDA agreed that the proposed bill does not yet provide the clarity necessary to appropriately oversee this industry. A spokeswoman for Senator Tom Harkin, chair of the panel, said, The bill is a work in progress and will continue to be refined as it moves through the legislative process. Wider adoption of electronic health records is critical to the broader health care improvement efforts, including efficiencies within the workers' compensation health system. Electronic records improve care cooperation, reduce duplicative tests and procedures, and reward health professionals for keeping patients healthier. Electronic systems give doctors, hospitals, and other providers the ability to better coordinate care and reduce errors and readmissions that can cost more money and leave patients less healthy. HHS Secretary Kathleen Sebelius announced this month that more than half of all doctors and other eligible providers have received Medicare and Medicaid incentive payments for adopting or meaningfully using electronic health records. HHS has met and exceeded its goal for 50% of doctors' offices and 80% of eligible hospitals to have electronic health records by the end of 2013. Just 17% of physicians used these systems back in 2008, but today more than 50% of eligible professionals have demonstrated meaningful use and received the incentive payment. For hospitals, just 9% had adopted electronic health records back in 2008, but today more than 80% make use of them. Officials now say we have reached a tipping point in adoption of electronic health records. And in financial news, as the economy recovers and Californians head back to work, total direct written premium in the workers' compensation market continues to rise. 
The California Workers' Compensation Institute reports that workers' comp premium reached $9 billion last year, which is $1.2 billion above what it was back in 2011. That marked the third consecutive year of premium growth, and it brought premium back to what it was in 2007. California premium level hit a low point of $6.9 billion in 2009 after soaring to a record $16.1 billion in 2004. In other findings, the state fund lost market share to 10% in 2012, down from 12.9% the prior year. Even so, the state fund is still California's largest provider of work comp insurance. Zurich Insurance Group maintained the second spot with the next three slots filled by Travelers Group, Hartford Fire and Casualty Group, and Berkshire Hathaway Group. Well, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, a partner with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.